This week on the Habs Forum, it is the trade deadline episode. Last episode before the deadline, and we had a recent trade that made a lot of Habs fans happy. Uh, not a, a trade involving the Canadians, but involving another team that might mean the Canadians should definitely sell. So we're going to talk about what kind of return they can hope from one of their potential available players. Uh, Canadians, I mean, obviously lost some more games, choked another three-goal lead. Some fines, no suspension, but the coach got mad. Gallagher got mad. But, uh, I mean, I think the frustration is just getting to it. Laval keeps losing. Doesn't look like we're going to get some playoffs in Laval or in Montreal this year. And we're going to continue talking about the potential prospects at the draft because that's what's exciting to talk about this time of the year when the Canadians are obviously not going to make the playoffs. And today it is St- Tim Stutzel. Probably saying that wrong, but he's German, <laughs> so... I don't know. It's hard to say his name. So let's get right into it. All right, before we get into the trade deadline talk, let's quickly t- cover the the game. So since our last pause, we, d- we did one on Thursday. There's been two games, two losses, 4-1 against Pittsburgh. I mean, just... I mean, yeah, I mean, what to say about the game against Pittsburgh? I mean, they were, they were outclassed by a better team. They were never really in the game, and... Uh... I mean, the expected result, basically. And then back at home against Dallas with Harry Price in net, you know, you, on a Saturday, usually that means a good thing for the Canadians. Go up quickly, 3 nothing. I think it was 3 nothing almost in the middle of the second. Yeah. And then just choked another lead. How many leads is that this year? Whether it's two goals, three goals. Earlier in the year, there was a four or five goal yep, lead yep. that we coughed up. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it's, uh, it's multiple 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 goal leads that they you know that they 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 just seem to give it up every time i mean they always get off to these quick starts and and they just can't finish the job and i mean obviously i mean the canadian season at this point is pretty much done but even even that i mean you you never like to see something like that happen it's not a good sign for you know for for what's going on with the club and like you don't want it, even though like like people have to talk about tanking and at this point like, let's get a bit better pick and all that you don't want the season to end on too much of a sour note. Uh, I mean we, we still do want to look forward to, to next year. We're, we're a team that is hoping to be competitive uh, next year uh, at this point. And a lot of the players that are here right now are going to be back next year, so you don't want it to end on such a sour note where kind of players are miserable and don't really want to come back next year. I mean, but this one though, I mean, I think a, a lot of people will point at sorry, at the at the, the refereeing. I mean, it, it was it was a rough game to uh to watch the Canadians, if I'm not mistaken, didn't get a single single power play. Nope, not a not one power play. And I mean, you, you hate to say it, you you know, you don't want to be like the homer and that, but I mean, it just feels like I mean this isn't the first time that this has happened this season where where it seems like the Canadians are just continuously getting shortchanged in a game. Well, you know but, who would uh, agree with you, Claude Julien, who uh, if you know how to read lips li- says every effing game uh, and other f starting words. He was very he was very very uh, very angry and at, at this point, I mean the frustration of the se- season is already hitting the Canadians and there, there was one tripping. Uh, it was near the end of the game, or even in overtime. I, I can't remember exactly. And someone pointed out on Twitter that even the because obviously I wasn't watching the Dallas feed, but even the Dallas announcers were kind of like, "Oh, yeah, oh that, that seems like an obvious." Yeah, it was call, on the, you know? on Army, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, I mean, it's about as clear. I mean, I understand it was overtime, 
And you know, I mean, uh, you know, some it, it does happen from time to time. So the referees will sort of put put away their uh, their whistle. But generally, overtime, but... if it's a clear cut penalty, yeah, like an I mean, obvious trip or a high stick, and yeah. actually, one of the things I find the most annoying about this, the, the the penalty that is the most guaranteed to be called in those situations is the puck over that's the, true. the the that's glass, true. because there's no getting around it. If it happened, it happened, and that's that. And it's so ridiculous that so often that's the one thing that gets called. Yeah, yeah that's a good you know? point. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's the thing about that kind of penalty. And I, I hate that penalty. I don't think it, it should be a thing. But uh, it's black and white. I mean, yeah. there's no gray yeah. area about it. And, uh, I mean, it was nice to see Joel Armia score, score another goal. I mean, he, he missed some time this year, and he's still sneaking up on 20. He's at 15 now. I'd love to see him hit 20. Uh, I mean that, that that like that's the type of things that I'm kind of looking forward for the rest of the year. I want some of the players to hit some some milestones. Maybe they've uh, they've never hit before. I mean Suzuki gets another assist. He he's he's uh, looking pretty good in the in the uh, the scoring race for rookies at, at this point. I mean st- stuff like that is uh, is fun to see, but it's it's always going to be hard seeing them losing in overtime, like, especially considering if like if really if, like it, at the end of the day for not making the playoffs, it is obviously better to to. To finish lower, I think an overtime loss in this situation is the absolute worst. Because yeah. they lose in a heartbreaking way, and plus they still get that loser point that maybe means that they have like one less percent chance at getting a top pick at the end, at the end of the year. Like we already talked about how the standings, we don't need to focus on them too much. But still, if we're looking at it that way, it's absolute worst case scenario is losing in overtime like this. Just annoying. Exactly. You get you get that point, and I mean, again, it's just, it was really the way that they lost. I mean, when when a season's gone downhill like this, you want to find you want to be able to find you know whatever positives that you can out of the season. You know, obviously there's there has been some positives. I mean, you you mentioned Armia. You know, hopefully he can tw- hit 20, uh, 20 goals. Obviously Suzuki, especially as of late, he's been a positive. Kovalchuk. But uh, I mean, you know, the positives unfortunately have been few and far between, especially when you're giving up a three nothing lead and uh, and losing, especially in overtime. And uh, it's not getting any easier. Uh, Canadians now on the way to a three game, uh, three road games uh, in a in a row on a road trip. Uh, the trade deadline's next Monday on the twenty fourth. So so that means for some Canadians may have played their last game in Montreal uh, on 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 Saturday. So I mean, some guys. That's true. Will we see? Uh, you know, will will Kovalchuk ever be? In a Canadian's uniform at the uh, at the Bell Center again. See, here's the thing. Like we talked about a couple weeks ago. Like, like let's just get into the trade deadline talk. There's not much more to talk about about these these games. Kovalchuk. I mean, I was ready. I'm, I'd still kind of be happy resigning him and all. But the thing is, is with the trades that are happening, it's a seller's market, and you just got to get what you can get with these things. At, at this point, I, I'm I'm ready to trade Kovalchuk. So Kovalchuk's not the biggest piece, but we'll, we'll just start with him. He's a bit of an appetizer, you might say. <laughs> But so a lot of people. So the big trade I mentioned at the beginning is uh, is Coleman. What was his name? Brendan Coleman. Yeah, Blake Coleman. Blake Coleman. That's what it is. Blake Coleman, who is having a strong one of those guys that scores a lot of goals, but not necessarily doesn't necessarily get that many points. Pretty reliable defensively. A solid guy to add for for a cup run. The big thing is he's only getting paid one point eight million, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so uh, like the the small cap hit for a team like Tampa Bay was huge. But then they got. Nolan Foote, a very, very solid prospect, and a first-round pick, but not only a first-round pick, Vancouver's first-round pick, which yeah. should be a top-20 pick. Yeah. I mean, they, they're, they're going to make the playoffs, but it's still... Yeah. Well, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, the Vancouver pick is protected, you know, if, if it does become a lottery pick. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's crazy. I mean, Nolan Foote, I don't think he's the last... I mean, since being drafted, maybe he hasn't panned out exactly how... 
um, people had hoped. Um, but I mean, he's definitely still a prospect with quite a bit of upside, and he, you know, should should very well be an NHL player. Probably not going to be, you know, a, t- a top guy, but uh, definitely a guy with an NHL future. And I mean, like you said, the first round pick, not even their first round pick, exactly. giving up Vancouver's first exactly. round pick for a guy. I mean, Blake Coleman's a really good player. I have him on my fantasy team. He gets, uh, I mean, he gets a decent amount of points. He's also a guy that can throw the body around. You know, does, basically does it all. He's good defensively as well. So I mean, he's definitely going to be a really good addition. The kind of guy that that a, a, a solid team like Tampa Bay wants to add at the uh, well at or around the deadline for a Stanley Cup run. But the, the big thing everyone was saying, the, all the conversation around it was how small his cap hit is. So I pulled it up here. It is one point eight million, and how there would be a bidding war because there's so many of these teams that are that are going to fight for uh, a cup run are, are so close to the cap that a guy like that is worth a lot. Now, if that's true, now I understand Blake Coleman has an extra another year on his contract, but if that's true, you've got to think that league minimum or, or close to league minimum, at, at the very least, Ilya Kovalchuk, who's had a resurgence on the Canadians, is going to be an extremely valuable asset for a team in a similar situation. I, I, every team should be able to fit Kovalchuk on their ca- The Canadians could easily just like, oh, don't give us one of your crappy roster players that are getting paid as much as him. And you uh, can you a- add a guy that is proven with his short time on the Canadians to still be able to give a lot as a, as a top-line player and a game-changer. With He's been getting game-winning goals left and right. And, and he, he costs nothing on the cap. So when we first signed him, I remember he was, we were talking about Worst case, we trade him at the deadline, and you were saying, oh, if we're lucky, we can get a fourth-round pick for him. We're, we better get way more than a fourth-round pick at this point. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, his his value is, is nothing but increased. I mean, definitely, you would think that... I mean, I don't think you're going to get a first-round pick. Um, you know, maybe, maybe... Yeah, you could probably get a second-round pick. But like, like I said before, when we were talking, uh, before we started recording, seeing as the Canadians got him for absolutely nothing... I'm wondering if teams might be hesitant to act to give up like a top, well, not a, maybe not a top asset, but like a second round pick, knowing that uh, you know that they could have potentially had him for free like a month ago. I, I see what you mean. I, I think that is a, a valid argument, but you would hope that these GMs aren't too proud to make the move that is best to improve their team. Because that's all that is, right? It's 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 pride. I'm mean, I'm sure a ton of GMs are kicking themselves for not offering Kovalchuk just maybe a bit more a contract a bit earlier. But no one knew he was. And at the end of the day, the only person, the only like team that's looking like a fool here, yeah. is the LA Kings. Obviously, like that. I think I think any any smart per, like anyone who watches this, who analyzes this, or anyone who uh, any other GM looking at this situation, I would hope. Would look at this. I'm not going to look like a fool. L.A. are the fools that made him look bad, and the Canadians got they got lucky at the end of the day. I mean, it was still it, it, was, a, it was a good risk for uh, for Bergevin to take. But if Bergevin knew Kovalchuk was going to be this good, he would have offered him a contract months ago. Oh yeah, for, you know for sure, for sure. So, so I think a, a team should still be I mean, I, I, easily a second round pick. I think, and even maybe like not an A level prospect. You may, might even be able to get an okay prospect with him just for the reality. And I can see Kovalchuk being a guy that I'm not in a in a rush to move him because I can see him being a guy like last second at the deadline. A team's not getting the players they want to get, but then maybe they can't fit people in their cap. They're realizing that they're having a hard time making a deal because there's so much that goes around it with with the cap space and everything they need to take giveaway contracts and all that, they realize, you know what? Instead of losing an asset because we have to make room on the cap just to gain this slightly better player, we could just give a pick for Kovalchuk yeah. 
just one hundred percent improve our team, and he and he just fits on the cap. He, his salary's so cheap. As long as you've had like a guy on the IR for like a week, you can basically fit yeah, him on your, exactly. your team. Yeah, you know, so so I mean, there, there definitely is value there. It's, it's going to be interesting to see, but I mean. You know, if it, yes, maybe they could trade him, but maybe they will, the Canadians want to re-sign him. I mean, I think you know that wouldn't be a bad move either. I mean, the leadership that he's shown, the the love that he seems to have for playing for the Canadians in front of the Canadians fans. I mean, if if you know if a deal can get done, a reasonable deal for a reasonable amount of time, then uh, I mean, maybe that's the move to make instead. I definitely agree with you there. I mean, a lot of people on Twitter on message boards are going to say. Uh, they love to talk about oh trade him and then sign him in in, in the offseason. That it, it's happened. Yeah. It's very very rarely happens. Uh, we have a situation here with Kovalchuk seemingly has fallen in love with Montreal in a short time here. We know how hard it is for the Canadians to get free agents, and if Kovalchuk goes to a cup contender and goes on a cup run, you know he might not want to come sign to Montreal, who's not guaranteed yeah, exactly. a cup run. He yeah. might just fall in love with this other city. So I agree with you. If we can, if we can sign him, then I'm 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 ready to sign him to give give get a couple more years of Kovalchuk in a Canadiens jersey. But if I can't get him signed before the deadline, then, then that's why I'm not in a rush with Kovalchuk. He's not yeah. one that I need to move right away. Yeah. No. Exactly. Yeah. I think uh, you know if you can't get a deal done, then uh, then you can definitely move him. But uh, yeah, like you said, it's definitely e- a lot easier said than done to sign him. You know, to trade him and then sign him because I mean maybe he falls in love with the yeah. with the city that he has a cup run with. I mean, a lot of the time when you when you do see the guy come back after getting traded, it's someone that's been at the original team exactly. for a long time, exactly. like Placanis. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put, uh, you know, too much hope yeah, in doing you, that. You can't take that risk if you truly do want to re-sign him. Uh, but uh, if you can't, I mean, at the end, if he does end up tra- trading him, if, if Bergevin gets a second round pick for Kovalchuk, he just bought a second round pick for nothing. That, nothing for seven hundred thousand. Not ex- even <laughs> exactly right. So that would be amazing asset management. But so, so we'll see what happens. But I, I do agree. I would, I would re-sign him first. But moving on from Kovalchuk, the the, the main asset for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, I mean, I mean, and the, the most exciting one to talk about, I think, is because the two big trades we've had so far. We just talked about the the Coleman trade, and before last week, we talked about the Jason Zucker trade. Both wingers. I mean, I think most people would agree, given the season Tatar is having, Tatar is a more offensively gifted player than these players. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zucker had longer left on term and left on his. Coleman has the same amount of years left, but much smaller cap hit. But the Canadians can still easily easily take like 50% of, of his salary yeah. to, to make him closer kind of he would become kind of like a 2.5 million dollar player I mean if the Canadians can get a top prospect and a first round pick for Tatar you have to move him yeah I mean I think you do I mean uh, you know if, if the Devils could get a first round pick and I mean Vancouver's first round pick again um, and Nolan foot for you know for Coleman I mean it, it's tough to say what they could get for Tatar. I mean, definitely a first-round pick. Definitely, you'd have to think a top prospect, a really top prospect. And, I mean, we'll get into that later on, uh, what what kind of prospects maybe the Canadians could get. But, I mean, not only those two trades, but also, I mean, Andy Green just got traded yeah. as well. I mean, Andy Green, yes, he's a good veteran defenseman. Obviously, he's a leader. He was a captain of the New Jersey Devils. But, uh, I mean, doesn't have any term on his contract. He's making $5 million, which obviously, you know, is a pretty decent cap hit. Uh, and a second round, you know, they get a second round pick for him. You get the impression that this year, maybe it's because of the cup run 
that the St. Louis Blues went on last year gives gives these teams the impression that why not us? You know, mm-hmm. and anyone can kind of can make it, can can get the uh, to, to to win the cup if you have the right players in place. So they're they're moving legitimate assets to to go get these players. And now the the big the, the, if we want, the what we want to talk about now is what teams he might fit on. A team that's come up a lot is the Colorado Avalanche, and both Bergevin and the assistant GM Mellonby are at the game today in uh, in Colorado. It's Colorado against Tampa Bay. Now, they have some very interesting young players on Colorado. I mean, if you're talking about first getting the first-round pick, I mean, the, the player a lot of people who, who know about prospects are going to want to talk about is uh, Bowen Byram. Probably not going to happen, unfortunately. That would be yeah. amazing. I mean, that, would, that, would be, that would be crazy. Would be I mean, crazy. I, I don't think, definitely don't think that's realistic to go no. to go get Bowen the, Byram. The Canadians would have to almost add something else on top, yeah, you know, exactly. Tatar. And do you want to do that at that point? You know, that's that's the thing there. That, that would be crazy. But they have other kind of below Bowen Byron, but still very, very good prospects. And, and and one that a lot of people talk about is, uh, what's his name, a new hook? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a guy that I was in love with last year, I wanted the Canadians to draft before Cole Caulfield uh, fell to them. Uh, Alex Newhook, he was drafted right after Cole Caulfield. I mean, he, he's definitely a top prospect. Would be great. I mean, obviously the Canadians already have sort of an abundance of centers right now, but I mean, can you really ever have too many centers? Nope. Um, you know, I think ideally they they probably want to go for a defenseman. Again, Alex Newhook would be a great addition to the Canadians. A guy with with great offensive talent, plays a good solid two way game. Um, but another big prospect uh, that I think might make a little bit more sense for them is uh, is the defenseman uh, Connor Timmins. Yeah, a lot, um, a lot of people talk about Connor Timmins also. Uh, he has some pretty solid stats for a defenseman yeah. in the OHL. Yeah, he's a very good offensive defenseman. Uh, I mean, a little you know, more offensive-minded, less defensive-minded. Uh, so a little, one, well, maybe not one-dimensional, but definitely the offense is, uh, is why he was picked so high. But you would, you would probably agree that right D is Montreal's weakest... Oh, without a doubt, pool, right? without a doubt. So I mean, that just makes even more sense there. Yeah, uh, right, right defense. If they can add there, I mean, obviously, right now the hole in the Canadians is sort of left defense. But I mean, there are a lot of guys coming up. There's guys like uh, Jordan Harris. All right, not to interrupt you, Dustin, but there is some breaking news. It's not oh. Canadians related, <laughs> but there's been another trade uh, where Vancouver has acquired Tyler Toffoli. So that's that's interesting. That's another winger off the market. Mm-hmm. Wingers seem to be to be kind of flying off the shelves. Yeah, that's interesting. We we haven't necessarily heard of Vancouver being a team uh, that the Canadians have, have spoken to too much. I'm trying to see here if there's any news on who. So Toffoli is a pending unrestricted free agent. Yeah, a guy that actually was. Um, I mean, at some point this season, I, I think. At the beginning of the season, a guy that was actually linked to uh, that could be a possibility for the Canadians. Um, so that's interesting. So, uh, well, I'm just taking a look here. So, so from Pierre LeBrun, no salary retained by the Kings. Um, they're getting a pick, a prospect, and NHL player. And but we don't know anything else. Oh, right? if if he re-signs with Vancouver, I see. Um, so uh, no real news right now as to what exactly is going back to. Right, so 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 we'll keep but, an eye uh, on that. Yeah, I'll keep an eye on that. But, but it's interesting because it just shows you that there's an urgency because t- these players are being moved early. Now, Toffoli only has this year left four point six million, which is very similar to the four point eight that Tatar costs. All these players are very much in the similar mold to Tatar. Well, I definitely think he, I mean Tatar 
at least for me, is uh, is better than better than Tyler Toffoli. Uh, he's had some solid moments, but I, I I would I would like I would think so too. Maybe there is some hesitation with Thomas Tatar about because of uh, I mean, like looking at Toffoli, eighteen goals, sixteen assists, thirty four points so far this year. Tatar definitely having a better year, but there was the situation where the Vegas Golden Knights acquired him and it didn't really work well. Maybe some teams are, are hesitant that he, he's not as good kind of like on the fly getting on a new team. Like maybe they, they're scared that's going to yeah. happen. I don't it know if that's be. that's legitimate a legitimate concern at all. I, I think maybe that was just a bad situation for him in, uh, in Vegas. But this is once again someone you would think that Tatar could get more... I mean, there's a, con- there's a year on the contract left. The Canadians can easily retain some salary. I, I, I don't, I don't see, I don't see why not. I don't see why not. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, definitely. I mean, especially like you said, with all the wingers uh, sort of flying off the market right now, it would certainly make sense. Um, I mean, and is and as they keep going off the market, I mean, it's the well, demand. Teams are going to get more desperate. You know, exactly. I mean, yeah. They're just going to get more and more desperate, and uh, I mean, it's 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 definitely a, a seller's market at this point. But it goes both ways too. You don't want to get to the point where you're holding on to your player for too long, and then all of a sudden, all the teams that wanted winger help have already kind of filled their quota, and then there's not as many takers for a Thomas Tatar. So y- 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 there's kind of a balance to be to be there. I'm just worried that Bergevin is still being stubborn and he's still not selling. And at like when we talked about this two weeks ago, we weren't either of us were con- convinced that it was a good the right move to sell on either uh, Thomas Tatar or uh, or Jeff Petrie because we want to be com- competitive next year and all that. But with the way it's going right now, I mean, you you just have to be a seller. Oh yeah, definitely, De- definitely. I mean, obviously Thomas, you know. If- it's it's kind of hard in this situation with Thomas Tatar where he's a guy that you know is is still signed for another year. I mean the Canadians, you know, despite how poorly this season went, I think they do sort of have aspirations for next year. You know, with uh, obviously with with a lot of their guys soon to hit their prime and guys like uh, Shea Weber and Carey Price sort of leaving their prime at this point. Um, so, I mean, it is a seller's mind. I mean, you know, I, th- I think if, if they had get a deal like the sort of deals that we're seeing right now, I mean, I think they definitely have to pull the trigger on it. Um, so, so it looks right now, so basically what uh, what the trade was, was a, a second-round pick from Vancouver, uh, a centerman, Tim Schaller. That, Tim Schaller, that's the NHL player who just yeah. seems to be there because of the salary, to make the salaries work. Yeah. No actual value there, you know. And then the prospects, Tyler Madden. So, uh, so actually, one of the top prospects for Vancouver. Um, he's killing it right now in the NCAA. It was a third round pick a couple of years ago, um, but uh, I mean, certainly a. How a would really you, how would you prospect. compare him? Like, is this a similar prospect to Nolan Foot? You would say. Uh no, I'd say he's better than Nolan Foot. Better than Nolan yeah. Foot, but a second round pick instead of a first round pick. So similar return. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, definitely similar return. I mean, he's a guy playing at Northeastern, just pulling up his stats now, 20, 37 points in 27 games. Um, I mean, 20-year-old centerman, you know, potentially could play in the NHL next year. So let's say these different returns that we've had. So we've had the, the Coleman trade, we've had now the Toffoli trade, and previously the, the Jason Zucker trade. Would you trade Thomas Tatar for, like, we, we believe Tatar should be worth more? Yeah. But would you trade Tatar for equal of any of those packages? Like, would you 
trade Tatar for Nolan Foot and a first round pick? No, I don't. I don't think so. Really? No. What if I ask you this before yesterday, before the? Because tra- now it feels like yeah, he's worth yeah, more. That's, that's true. Because that's true. of the other trades we've seen. Yeah. But if news broke yesterday, and instead of uh, the, the Coleman trade happening, the Canadians sending Tatar to Tampa Bay. Yeah, for, for no, Nolan yeah, Foot in the first, right. yeah. I think you'd be pretty happy about yeah, it. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, definitely, you know, a couple of weeks, ago, yeah, maybe like a week, uh, maybe two weeks ago, I I would have definitely taken that. But, I mean, the way that the market's going right now, I mean, uh, yeah, I think it's it would be reasonable to try to get something else. I, think. I agree it would be reasonable to try something else, but are you disappointed if we get similar value for Tatar? Like, if just the market isn't there to go higher and really the highest – teams will go is what's been happening right now even for Thomas Tatar would you rather hold on to Tatar or just get the same value these other players are getting yeah I, th- I think you gotta I think you'd probably pull the trigger on the move um, take whatever you can get I, I mean I, I definitely think the Canadians will get a big a bigger offer I mean there's there's teams out there you know teams like uh, that have been really linked to Tatar like the Calgary Flames and Edmonton Oilers all right let's talk about Calgary then for for a bit so Calgary still has uh, all their all their f- the first round, second round picks, and and and, and all of that. Uh, just kind of pulling up some prospect information here. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, with the Calgary Flames, one of the guys that could be um, pretty interesting for the Canadians would be one of their defensive prospects, Oliver Shillington. Um, solid defenseman. I mean, him too. He's. I mean. He plays in the AHL. He's had some. He's had some good moments. He's also struggled. I mean, he's definitely him as well. Kind of like Connor Timmins. He's a a very offensive minded defenseman. Um, so I mean, he can be a little bit of a liability in his own zone. But I mean, I think he'd definitely be a step up from you know quite a few of the guys. I mean, he's better than Victor Mete in my opinion. I mean. Uh, you know, he's probably be, he could definitely step into the Canadians' left side right now. I have no. So doubt he's already about that. he's already played a lot in uh, thirty eight games last year, forty five this mm-hmm. year. So he's almost been he's been steady on the Flames uh, this year. So I mean, a- adding pieces like I, I feel like the Canadians have to. And to do, my my worry here is really the stubbornness of this team, believing that the only reason they're not in the playoffs is because of some bad luck with injuries or or or, or, or whatever. But they they really got to be smart here because I don't think we're gonna see as as high value for these players next year if if the Canadians are in the same spot next year and they still have Petrie and Tatar on the uh, on the roster like yeah well of course I mean if their contracts are, are ending at that point I mean you know, potentially you could keep them until the you know until um, basically the draft and see sort of what you get at that point. But, but I, the, it seems like right now, this year, it's much more of a seller's market than it usually is. It, you, it really is. You don't see this high returns. Like, you see maybe sometimes teams are, are willing to move picks a little bit more than they should. But we're seeing a lot of high-level prospects moving. That's what's surprising me the most. You don't usually see as many high-level prospects. Because I feel like when you're moving picks, that, that, that gets more forgotten. You You less often hear about a team being like, Oh, this GM made a horrible trade because he traded this pick that turned into this player. But if a top, if a top prospect turns into an elite player and that that was a trade that happened because of a rental, you hear about that. And I feel like usually GMs are more worried to make mm-hmm. those types of moves. But this year, this is some three top prospects or at least at least solid prospects that have moved so far this year. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think it's just 
it has a lot to do with the parity that there's so many teams right now fighting for uh, fighting for a playoff spot. Yeah, so many teams true. so close to the playoffs, and I mean, very few teams that are that are out of it that are yeah. you know content with yeah. okay, we're done. I mean, the Canadians are they they have be. a they have like a percent <laughs> chance of making the playoffs, and the team still seems to believe. Yeah. So imagine the teams that are actually in a playoff position. Of course, they think they can they can go on a cup run, right? And like I said before. We're a year removed from a team that was in last place at Christmas winning the Stanley Cup. That just tells you that in the NHL, there's so much parity. All you got to do is make the playoffs, and anyone can win. I mean, you just got to get hot, hot at the right time, and yeah. you know you can easily, well, not easily, obviously, but I mean, you can win the cup. Um, yeah, so I mean, I think you know Calgary could definitely make some sense. They've been linked. I mean, for weeks, if I'm not mistaken, to him, uh, to Thomas Tatar. So, I mean, definitely could be a move that makes sense for them. So, again, you know, guys that we could potentially see coming back, Oliver Shillington. Uh, there's another prospect that I really like um, that they drafted the last year, if I'm not mistaken, Matthias Emilio Peterson. Plays at the University of Denver uh, with another Canadian's prospect, seventh rounder, Brett Stapley. Um, so he could be another uh, solid addition as well. So, I mean, if the Canadians do move him, those are two of the guys that we can maybe see um, see coming back. So you're not unhappy if the Canadians move to Tar and acquire any of these guys, basically, plus a pick? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd like Oliver Shillington more, obviously. Um, and actually another guy actually slipped my mind there, Jacob Peltier as well, um, obviously, you know, from Quebec. <laughs> always, always a good thing, but uh, he could be a pretty good addition as well. To the team now, a team that I find very intriguing, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're willing to maybe overpay here, especially as they're seeing their their potential competition improving, is a team like the Edmonton Oilers, who are they're, they're at the top of the Pacific Division division right now with Vancouver right behind them, only one point behind them. This is Edmonton's first time being competitive. In a very, very long time. This feels like this could be their year to kind of like break out of the years of kind of mediocrity. While still being not even guaranteed to make the playoffs right now. You know, they they have 70 points. And, I mean, the second wildcard team is Arizona. They have 68. You know, so it's, it's still a very close race. They should still be able to hold on to the playoff spot. But they could still slip in the standings. They've, they've been hit with the injury bug this year. They've been very unlucky, but they're still staying up there. And you got to think they're going to want to make a push. A guy like Thomas Tatar has got to make a lot of sense for them. Now, they're right, right, right out of the cap. So the, the deadline cap space for them right now, despite even all their injuries, is only $1 million. Now, the Canadians can uh, retain 50%. Now, can, the, Thomas Tatar is... His contract on the Canadians right now is four point eight million, uh, but uh, that that includes five hundred thousand that's already being retained by the the Golden Knights. And, and my understanding here is that the Canadians can still retain salary on Tatar. There can be two teams retaining salary, but you're retaining salary on the the, the initial, like it's fifty percent of the initial contract value. So that brings it back down to two point two point six five. So the Canadians would just have to kind of. Also grab maybe like a $1.5 million guy that's worth kind of nothing. Kind of similar to the Tim Shaler situation in Vancouver. And like I for, for every reason I just explained here, you got to think Edmonton's willing to make a move like that. Exactly. They've got to be going for it. I mean, con- 
I mean, I don't know if they're going to be a little bit hesitant with McDavid out now. He's out, uh, I think, two weeks, if I'm not mistaken. But that's the thing, it's just two weeks. I mean, he'll yeah, be no, back obviously, end, you know? yeah, so it's not, not super long. Um, but, you know, I mean, you, you, they have to make a move at some point, right? I mean, when's the last time they made the playoffs? Like, it's and been forever. I think that they'll, they'll like the fact that it's for more than one year because yeah, they exactly. want to still be competitive next year, too. Yeah, and I think Tatar could be pretty solid. I mean, Dude, think yeah. about him playing with like Connor McDavid Lee or Drysaddle. Like, I mean, that'd be that'd be crazy. No, <laughs> the no, no, of no, it, exactly. And they they definitely need need help on the wing. Uh, I, mean, I mean, Zach Cassian is, is is one of their top exactly. wingers on that team. Exactly. You know? I mean, he's suspended all the time anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, who Kicking knows? Could, yeah, what a stupid thing. <laughs> I mean, could they maybe even be interested in uh, in Jeff Petrie? Bringing him back, I don't know if they probably don't have the cap room no, to they, make that happen. They, they can't. They can't make both happen. That's, yeah, yeah, that, probably that's not for sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think Thomas Tatar definitely makes a lot of sense for them. Uh, they have some really interesting prospects. I mean, obviously they have their first round pick. Um, I mean, first of all, they have two really good prospects that I don't think um, you know. There's no chance that they would be willing to give up in Evan Bouchard and uh, Philip Broberg. So th- those two guys are available. You make the move right away. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Either one of them. But and, I mean, and, and our listeners must remember how much I loved Broberg going to last year just for his name. <laughs> well, I mean, best name in the draft. There's no denying it. I love the name. I would be so excited if we acquired Philip Broberg. Um, but uh, I mean, aside from that, I mean, they do have some other some pretty decent forwards actually that could be interesting. I don't know if they'd be willing to give up Kyler Yamamoto. Um, you know, he's still pretty young, 21 years old. But former first-round pick, I mean, we could have Yamamoto and Suzuki. That'd, I mean, that'd be, be crazy. Great. That'd be pretty great. Um, I mean, Tyler Benson's another really solid prospect. Former, But you got to think they're, they're going to be willing to give up some of these solid guys. They, yeah, this well, is I mean, the they're two, two guys that are to. on their t- that are playing with the Oilers right now. Yeah, fair I mean, the, but, but, I mean, even the ones you were talking about before that you think are no yeah. chance we could we could acquire them. Okay, so let, let me ask you this. Would you rather have a Nolan Foot-level prospect and – a first round pick or no first round pick, maybe a second or third round pick, but like a Philip Broberg level prospect. Oh yeah, I mean you definitely take like the blue chip prospect. I exactly, think, you know? take the blue chip prospect. Maybe you get a or you get a worse pick. Like I, I'm, I'm th- that's how you make that work. I, I mean you got to think given what people are willing to pay right now, and at some point, I mean the one thing is with Edmonton, maybe they're not going to be too keen on on moving. Their defensive prospects, because they've struggled to kind of yeah, exactly. build that defense for for so long, but they're gonna want to go for it. They're gonna want to go. You gotta think they're gonna want to go for it. I mean, McDavid, he is he's still very young, hasn't been into in the NHL that long, but feels like he's been there for a while and feels like he's been through the ringer on this Edmonton Oilers team, and they're they're gonna want to give him a, a legit cup run. Yeah, I mean, again, like you said, it's a guy that's signed for another year too, Thomas Tatar. So I mean, that that'll definitely up his value. Um, so I mean, and, I mean, if we can get one of these guys, like I like I was saying, Yamamoto, Tyler Benson. I mean, obviously, if you can get Broberg or um, <clears throat> or Evan Bouchard, I mean, that's a, that's that's a no brainer. But I mean, Eve, well, a guy that I'm not too high on. I know a lot of Canadians fans are uh, Raphael Lavoie. He could be an interesting uh, interesting addition if they you know if they wanted to add a first round pick as well. So um, you know, I mean, there there's definitely some options, some and potential deals out there for sure. This is all. All very exciting. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm much more excited for the trade deadline this year than I than I was last year. There's something about it this year that just feels like, but I'm I just keep getting back to like I'm worried that. Bergman's I mean, there's a lot of potential gonna, out there, but I mean, are they actually going to pull the trigger? I mean, that's that's the thing. That's the question. Um, at this point, 
like I said, weeks ago, we've talked about many times that we wouldn't be surprised if Bergevin does nothing, if he holds steady, preparing for next next year. And we were fine with that because we did not know at the, yeah. what the market was going to look like. Yeah, that's the at thing. this point, if m- next Monday when we record our post-deadline podcast, if Bergevin hasn't made a move, that will be a failure on his part as a g- general manager. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely agree with that. I mean... Yeah, you have you have to do it. I mean, Petrie I, I, again. I think is one thing because I think he's such, you know, he, he would be a lot harder to replace. We don't yep. have the players to replace him. Absolutely. But Thomas Tatar, his value is as high as it's ever going to be. Absolutely. Yes, he's a leading scorer on the Canadians. Yes, he's extremely valuable to the Canadians and would and would be next year as well. But I mean, if you can get what you know what the market's dictating right now this is the kind of trade that could like greatly improve the future of the canadians and 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 not just five years but in the near future if you if you because we're talking about getting some some of the prospects we've talked about are guys that are going to be ready to step into the nhl sooner rather than later i mean it's it's not the nhl like it used to be where players don't step into the league until they're 25 26 you need to have elite players that are like 21, 22, that are already helping you. You need more guys like Suzuki on your team. Exactly. You need those like, young guys on their on the entry level deals. Yeah. That's that's how you you know in a cap world. That's how you're gonna that's how you're gonna win a championship when you have players like that. And the Canadians have a lot of good players on really good deals right now. If they can get a couple more young guys, I mean, you know, we have more young guys coming in the near future. Guys like Romanov, Cole Caulfield, Caden Primo. Maybe Josh Brook. We'll see mm. if he picks it up. But, uh, you know, it's, it's an exciting time. And, I mean, we might be able to add a couple more solid and pieces here. The Canadians were just ranked third by uh, what's what Scott Wheeler. Is that his name? Uh, I think they were second, actually. Well, were they? Yeah, I think yeah, you're right. Yeah, they were top three. They ended up making se- second. Very respected uh, 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 athletic uh, analyst uh, that talks about prospects a lot. Ranked the Canadians second for, for prospects. The Canadians already have a very solid prospect pool. If you can add a, a, another, like to have two first round picks this year, plus a solid prospect, or maybe add another second round pick and an even better prospect, the the Canadians' prospect pool becomes that much better. And the great thing about it is that we're covering pretty much every position. We're right D's a little bit weak, but like lefty's solid enough kind of to compensate. So now we're talking about trying to be competitive next year, but now we're even talking about a team that is set to be competitive down the line also this, this is the best the team the best the future of this team has looked in a long time oh yeah definitely i mean if they do trade tatar and maybe even petrie obviously i mean next season's looking a little bit less uh, less optimistic but see, that's but, the mean, thing if we trade tatar yeah, i'm not yeah. that much like less optimistic yeah, about if, next if they season. can get a guy to replace him i mean i don't think sure you know but the, i think with tatar as right great now. as tatar has, has been He's not that hard, I don't think, to to replace. And we, we talked last week about moving Domi. Maybe, maybe if they move Tatar, Domi's not someone that moves, and maybe then he gets slotted next to, to Gallagher and, and, and Danu on that top line. Like, I don't know if that's what they want to do. I mean, maybe we actually manage to sign... If they sign Kovalchuk, I mean, then move, yeah, move, move no, Tatar. Yeah. No problem. But I, I see what you mean with a Petrie, a lot harder to, to replace. So, like, we, we've essentially covered the teams that it probably would be interested in, in Tatar. I mean, we say that, but watch him get traded to some other team we haven't talked about in a, in a couple of minutes. But So, Petrie's the other guy I think is less likely to be moved. But, I mean, I'm sh- I would assume for the right price could be moved. The, we were talking about this earlier, and you mentioned that you think the Golden Knights might be a good landing spot for him. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a team that's been, um, you know, that has been linked to them 
uh, or to Jeff Petrie quite a bit. I mean, uh, just Canadians I'm, recently obviously made a big trade with the Golden Knights. Yeah, obviously. So, <laughs> I mean, no, but you see that often. GMs yeah, no, that, that work true. together like tend to kind of work together again. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, maybe a deal can get done there. I mean, they are pretty close to the cap, though. I mean, that would definitely be uh, well, same, same, be a well, headache they, there. They they have more cap room than uh, than Edmonton had actually. But according here to it's one point eight nine is their deadline cap mm-hmm. space, uh, and so what's uh, Jeff Petrie, if I'm not mistaken, is five point five million. I mean, potentially the Canadians eat half his contract. Uh, they would have to to, yeah. to and and the thing is, the thing with the cap space that the Canadians have. They, they can easily. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, you know. yeah, there, there's no doubt about that. Um, you know, I mean, the, again, I, I'm not too sure if, if um, you know, they will move Petrie. Again, I mean, are the Golden Knights really interested in him? I mean, apparently, you know, again, it's 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 been in the past that, he, that he's been linked. But if it's not the Golden Knights, Jeff Petrie is definitely, you can, you can find a team that will give you something for Jeff Petrie. And oh, yeah. oftentimes defensemen even get a better return. Now, if if Andy Green can mm-hmm. get the return he got, you got to think Jeff Petrie Jeff Petrie should be able to get a similar return to these wingers have been getting. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's pretty reasonable. I mean, I think you you can probably get a pretty decent prospect along with a first rounder. I think that would that would make okay, sense. What if the Canadians get two solid prospects and two first rounders at its deadline, and now they have three first round picks at the next draft, and, and a draft in Montreal, no less. <laughs> it's just, I mean, the, the thing you can do if you have three first round picks is you can move two of them to move up in the draft. I mean, you're not going to get Lafreniere, like no one, no one. If you don't win the the lottery, you're not getting Lafreniere. It's just no no team's going to trade away a guy like that. But there's just so much you can do with that, and it's just yeah. I mean, the Canadians already have uh, at least two, maybe. I think yeah, two second round picks or is it three? I'm pretty two, sure two it's second three. round picks, yeah. one third round pick, and three fourth round picks. Yeah, so I mean they they obviously already have a bunch of you know assets going into the draft. Um, I mean if if they were to move uh, Jeff Petrie to uh, to Vegas, I mean you know prospects that potentially could be moved. I mean I think Nick Hag would be a pretty good defenseman, uh, a defensive prospect, 21, 21 year old defenseman, uh, left handed shot. So, I mean, I think ideally we'd probably want a right-handed guy. Um, aside from that, another guy that could be interesting, obviously Peyton Krebs, who was another guy I loved in uh, in last year's draft. Not sure that the uh, that they'd be wi- really willing to to trade him, though. But, but I mean, again, I mean, you never know with the market the way that it is. Um, and another guy that could be interesting, uh, Pavel Dorofiev, who was also drafted last year. So, I mean, they definitely have a, have have some decent prospects that they can move to the Canadians if uh, if they do want to. This team just Petrie. needs to accept. Now, honestly, l- looking at this right now, part of me is kind of hoping that they go on a losing streak. Well, they're already kind of on a losing well, streak. But that it keeps going, right? Yeah. That they lose again in Detroit and in Washington. And, and then so maybe then it'll finally sink in to Bergevin and like the management's head in general that this is what needs to happen to this team. It's it's not like this team is gonna do a huge turnaround next year and go on a cup run. They can still be competitive next year, but we we can improve our chances by moving making moves like this in the short term. Yeah, yeah. you know it, it it's it, it's it's a smart move to move. I just hope that they open their eyes and uh, and and they do it. You got to take advantage of this market. So. Yeah, I, I mean, I think they will. I, I don't think that uh, that they're that delusional that they're. <laughs> I, I, I would hope so. I I, I would hope so. I mean, has Bergeron ever really? been a proper seller at the deadline i'm trying to remember 
I mean, I, I know. I, he's I mean, been he a bought, buyer. He yeah, bought, yeah, like yeah. when he got Thomas Vanek. Yeah. Um, so he's not scared. To, he's not scared to use the phones on trade deadline. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I can't remember him. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe he did, but I can't really remember him making any big mo- any selling moves. So are you happy if uh, they end up not moving to Tar Petrie? They move Kovey, uh, Kovalchuk. They move uh, Thompson, Scandella, Cousins, and they get like a two two second round picks and like a fourth round pick, like. I mean, I'd be kind of disappointed. Well, who, who else are you getting a second round pick for? I don't know. I just said things like that. Yeah, I guess that's <laughs> you true. You mentioned like I Nick guess. Cousins and yeah. Marco Scandella. <laughs> I guess that. I mean, uh, Scandella maybe gets a. Th- we, we paid a fourth for him, right? Yeah. Maybe we prove that to a third. You never know. I don't know. I mean, he hasn't exactly been. Uh, he hasn't been know. bad. He's he's a good. Nah, he's, a good he's, he's all right. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, if they just get some picks for those guys, I mean, go get me a top prospect and uh, like, look how amazing. The Pacioretty trade has been for us. Yep. That that alone should Already. tell fans yep. that this is a smart thing to do because you go get a guy like Suzuki and then he turns around and he he's one of the most valuable players on the team right now. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's definitely moves to be. I mean, obviously, I think you know the, the guys that are more likely to move are going to be like guys like you mentioned, like Scandella, Cousins, Thompson. Um, I don't know, maybe Jordan Wheel, who knows. Um, obviously, you're not going to get a whole lot for them. You're going to get like fourth, fifth rounders. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, if they can move to Tar and maybe even Petrie, it's going to be interesting. Actually, even uh, now Charlie Lindgren, we'll see with uh, yeah. with uh, Philip Grubauer going down. I don't but know if they'd I, be interested in him. What worries me, because we talk about how Tar and Petrie might have more value because of the extra year, but Bergman might see it as... Why move them this year? I could just hold on to them the next year. Then I'll move them next year if we're still out of the playoffs. Maybe that's how he looks at it. But yeah, well, I like, don't. Th- the market I, probably I won't be this strong next next year. No. You know. Well, no, and I mean, then they'll be at the end of their contract, right? But still, Toffoli's but, at the end of his contract, and he's well, still that's, a pretty that's, solid that's return, true. Right? Uh, that is true. So I mean, uh, it's it's going to be an interesting week. I mean, you know, we're already seeing a lot of trades happening this early, yeah. so. So we're probably going to end up having a, a super boring deadline probably. day like happens every year. <laughs> and probably. TSN has a, has a huge broadcast for the whole day and nothing happens. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and the other thing that, that was a little bit talked about was uh, the possibility. We talked about this last week, the possibility of Domi moving uh, for a defenseman. And Minnesota was a, the team that was kind of like rumored. And they've got two interesting pieces that kind of fit what we were talking about uh, last week in uh, Dumba and uh, Giannis Brodine as defenseman to step in instead of uh, Max Domi. So that that's another move that can be interesting, but not a move that necessarily needs to happen at the trade deadline. That no, could, exactly. That could wait at the draft or, yeah. or even in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, definitely it, it, it would be interesting. I mean, I think you're sort of selling kind of low on him, though, at this point. That's that's the thing that bothers me, selling low on Domi. Um <clears throat> It, I mean, I think it also sort of de- depends on like what his contract demands are at this point. Yeah. But uh, I mean, that those would be two really solid additions for the Canadians. I mean, Jonas Brodin, twenty-six year old, uh, left-handed defenseman. Matt Dumba, right-handed defenseman, twenty-five years old. Brodin only two years on this contract before he becomes a UFA, though. So you're kind of giving up Max Domi on on long-term potential contract for a. Just a couple years of, of Brodeen. I don't know how much how I feel about that. Dumba's got uh, four years left on his on his contract still. I mean, it would be only be three years if you take out this year, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so probably more interested in that, uh, especially since he's a right D. And uh, but Brodeen's a left left defenseman. No, but I'm talking about Dumba. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, okay. he's got the longer longer yeah. contract left. Like if you move Petrie, go get a solid forward prospect that might step in next year, mm-hmm. and you move Domi for Dumba. You know, then 
It's yeah, then it, it makes it, a little it, bit more it's, sense. It's starting to make a lot of sense. It's starting to make a lot of sense there. So, uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's always. I always find this type of the, time of the year super exciting. I, I, part of me almost enjoys enjoys um, trades and signings and and things like that more than actually watching the game. Well, especially <laughs> at this point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, especially yeah. It's just it's just so much fun to speculate what what might happen, and I just hope something happens because. It's it's the year to stock up on prospects and we can become a competitive team for uh, for years to come, and maybe we could get Laval to be a bit better because they're pretty trash right now. Yeah, they're free falling at this point. I mean, uh, lost two games over the weekend. Um, yeah, I mean they were looking so good, and then I mean especially you know they added some pretty solid players, obviously in Kukiniemi, Paling, Flurry. Yeah. Um, I mean Jake Evans now, of course. I mean the leading score for the Rocket. He'll be back. Um, I mean, presumably for their next game, a game on Wednesday, but yeah, they've definitely been super disappointing. Um, you know, it's it'll be interesting to see if they can if they can come back into the playoff race. I mean, the team that they're chasing now, Toronto, has been you know pretty much on fire. I think they've won four straight now. I mean, the Canadians are or not the Canadians, the Rocket. They are playing Toronto on Saturday. I'll be at that game. Toronto. Very exciting for you. Very exciting. Super excited about it. Hopefully they can uh, they, they can beat the Marlies and and get a little bit closer to the playoff spot. But I mean obviously Jake Evans going down now, that's gonna give them a hand. Almost a, a, a must win at this point against the Marlies. Oh yeah, well yeah, definitely. I mean they're running out of time now. They have to really right the ship. Um, we'll see what happens. Very disappointing. Uh, yeah. going back to last year when the coaching change happened. Which is something that everyone thought was uh, was needed. Long overdue. And we were all excited of the potential of this team, and it just it just hasn't happened. It just it, it's very hard to judge AHL teams just because of the reality of the league and how it works with the players being called up and all that. But maybe maybe next year with a year under his belt, you would hope Caden Primo would start to kind of be a dominant goaltender yeah. in uh yeah, he, in the he, AHL. I mean, yeah. He I mean he's had a good first uh, professional season. Had a couple of downs sometimes. I mean he's uh, you know, he's had had some games where he's looked less good, but uh, I mean, you know, it, he's definitely the future is bright for Caden Primo and a lot and and a lot of the players on the Rocket, but hopefully they'll be able to finish strong here and uh, and we'll be able to see some playoff hockey finally. Hopefully, I, I when, like playoff hockey seems so far away to me. Like, that's true. I, I feel like I haven't watched it in a. Well, I think it was only two years ago. The Canadians, but well, when seems, they lost in the first round of the Rangers, it seems but, like uh, such a it long does time ago. does feel like forever. This is that's pre Habs Forum podcast. That's true. Was that's was there true. really hockey before the Habs Forum? Maybe we're the problem, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> we're gonna start a boycott the Habs Forum uh, trend on Twitter. Uh, all right, so so moving on, then we're gonna move on to the the prospects. Before we talk about them, we'll we'll do the the ritual of uh, running my little. Uh, I had it open here, so I use Tankathon.com. Just sim it once for those who didn't listen to that episode. The episode we talked about that we talked about Lafreniere, the Canadians actually ended up picking first. Every other time they've kind of just stayed where they're supposed to be. So as of today, when I'm doing this. They're uh, set to be seventh, picking seventh overall, which is still a pretty solid pick with a 6.5% chance at first overall and a 20.4% chance at a top three pick. Let's sim the lottery. And they went down one spot to the eighth spot. So Damn. the prospect we're talking <laughs> about here would not be available. Probably not available at this probably point. Probably not. No, he's probably going to go top five, maybe even top three. 
Um, yep. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, a really solid player, Tim Stutzel, uh, centerman. Good two-way centerman that has great hockey instincts. Um, you know, at the beginning of the season, he was. Yeah, you know, it looked like he was probably going to be a top 10 guy, but, I mean, really what has pushed him to the top? Well, f- first of all, I mean, a lot of people got to know him just from seeing him in the, in the World Junior Championship. Yeah. I mean, him and Moritz Seider were, I mean, you know, they, they dominated for Germany. Um, I mean, Germany looked really good, and he was definitely probably the biggest part of it. He got five points in five games, all assists. Great playmaking guy, and also actually not a, not not only that, but I mean obviously not a lot of people f- uh, follow the the top German league, the D the Dell, but he has thirty points in thirty four games for Mannheim, uh, who was also the team that uh, that Moritz Sider played for last year. Obviously the sixth overall pick for the Detroit Red Wings last year, but I mean he's he's basically I mean this guy could potentially play in the NHL next year. So he's one of those guys. Maybe not the most high end. Yeah, he doesn't but have. He's the, the closest, maybe of not like as close as Lafreniere, obviously. But yeah, I one mean, of the closer. Sure Lafreniere is going to play in the NHL next year. Quinton Byfield is probably going to play in the NHL next year, um, and Stutzel probably will as well. I mean, he's he doesn't have the offensive potential that the that Lafreniere and Byfield do, but he he has. Definitely the, the best all-around game in the in the draft, there's no doubt. It seems to be a bit of a small frame. I mean, 5'11 isn't that short, uh, but he's listed at 165 pounds right now. Yeah, definitely has to put on some muscle. I mean, he's, he's also not the fastest guy, but he has decent speed. He's not the strongest guy, but he but he has decent, yeah, well, I mean, decent size, relatively. But it's, it's really his instincts, both offensive awareness and defensive awareness, that, that put him... On another level that may that could make him potentially the third overall pick in this year's draft. So, in in the sense of uh, where it, like this is a Habs podcast on whether or not the Canadians would draft him. So, like I've I've talked about before with how the the lottery works, the Canadians look like they're probably going to end up being around where they are right now in the standings, which gives them uh, the seventh overall pick. Now, you're either going to win the lottery and end up in the top three, or someone else behind you will, and you're going to go lower. So you're not, you're probably not picking four, five, six. So that means that the situation, unless he falls, the situation where you're drafting him is if the Canadians are the third overall. Yeah. Now, if you're Mark Bergeman, Lafreniere went first, Byfield went two. Now, you, you seem to love Drysdale when we talked about him. Like who who are you picking? Is Stutzel really something when you someone you're considering here or probably not for the Canadians? I don't think. So, no. I mean, I think we have enough. Uh, there, there, I think we have enough center depth. I mean, at center this point. I, at, at this. When you're drafting them, they're almost you're drafting a forward. Like how yeah, many for, how many players are drafted at center and they're playing wing in the NHL? Well, yeah. Uh, the yeah. fact that he's a center shouldn't be that. Well, I mean, I, I think the way that he plays, he's definitely going to be a center. He's not a guy that's going to play wing. Just his all-around game is so strong that he'll definitely be a center at the NHL level. Um, so I think, I mean, a lot of teams will definitely consider him with the third overall pick. Um, as far as the Canadians go, though, I think Drysdale makes a whole lot more sense. Just you should usually the, you should usually draft though for the best player available. Are you saying they're just well, equal value, and at that point you might as well draft a D? I mean, I don't know. I I feel like in the first round, especially when you're that high, that I mean, best player available sort of takes a backseat to to need a bit. Like especially when just you're because about they're, third. they're so close exactly. to being in the kind of like how the Canadians drafted Kutkinyemi. 
who yeah, I mean, you're not necessarily going to draft a need that you have right now, but yeah. like an organizational need. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you when you start getting to maybe the late later in the first round, and then basically all the other rounds, I mean, you can yes, it's, you can just go for the best, best player, player available. Yeah. I mean, who knows uh, if they're going to pan out or not? But um, yeah, as far as the Canadians, I mean, Setzel could definitely be the third overall pick. Very easily see that. But uh, as far as the Canadians go, Drysdale is probably the. Uh, the the pick that makes a little bit more sense, but he'd definitely be a great a great prospect to have. I'd love to have him in the Canadians organization, and uh, I mean he's like I said, probably very easily playing the NHL next year. I mean, by the sounds of it, the, the whole top ten for this draft is uh, is pretty solid. So the way the season's going, the Canadians are going to be adding a solid a hell prospect, prospect, a hell prospect, prospect for sure, yeah. for sure. Pro- yeah. Probably not a defenseman, probably a forward, considering Drysdale is the only kind of. Top, top defensive, defensive pro- like unless he's the one they end up with, but yeah, and uh, yeah, so I mean, uh, keep listening. We're, we're gonna go through all the other potential yeah, prospects. Definitely. Do you think Stuzel one is one that might have a chance of? Uh, I'm probably saying his name wrong, but whatever, has a chance to uh, to drop just because he's you see it sometimes when a player from a country like Germany that's maybe less kind of typical of, of, of producing high end talent, you'll see those players drop sometimes. Do you think there's yeah, a chance I mean, of him falling could... to, to a seven? Work the Canadian I mean, I don't. Now. Well, I think just. I mean, normally I would probably say yes, but I mean, you take a look at Moritz Sider getting drafted sixth overall last year and what he's been doing so far. But um, everyone's saying how strong the top ten is. It does not every team would have maybe a guy that they'd rather have ahead of him, considering those maybe. casuals. It, it, I mean, I think there's other guys there that have more offensive potential than he does um, I mean he just has like such such an amazing all-around game he's going to be a solid NHLer but yeah some guys definitely have more offensive uh, offensive upside than he does guys like Marco Rossi Cole Perfetti uh, Lucas Raymond so I mean those guys have more offensive potential is def- not the same you know probably not as not as good as Stutzel but uh, I mean maybe he could you know maybe some teams would value them more all right, then. Good stuff. I think that's going to do it for the, the podcast. Exciting pod. Got some breaking news in the... I think that's the first time it's ever happened to us. I mean, it wasn't <laughs> Canadians so. breaking news, but... Yeah, it's uh, too bad. But, but it's still, it's still uh, exciting to talk about it. And it's kind of it was still kind of relevant because the Canadians right, have sure. a very similar asset to move. So keep following us at the Habs Forum on Twitter. Uh, if the Canadians do make a move uh, from now until we record our episode... Uh, Dustin's obviously going to be tweeting about it and giving some immediate analysis uh, there. If you have any questions, like I said, the next episode, I think it'll be Monday or Tuesday. It's going to be after the trade deadline. So bring us your questions. What do you think the Canadians should do? Should the Canadians stand pat? Should we take advantage of the seller's market and just try to stock up on these assets and, and draft picks for the draft in Montreal? So let us know how we're going to do another poll for the prospect, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Uh, probably get that done on uh, over the weekend on Saturday or Sunday. And then we'll do our uh, post-trade deadline episode on Monday. All very exciting. Super exciting. All right, thank you for listening.